Hi, everyone. This is Mike DeBliss, tax attorney. In this podcast, I'm going to discuss the specific instructions for um, the Streamlined Domestic Offshore Procedures. They're relatively straightforward, but can be a little bit confusing. So what I'll do is I'll address each requirement uh, one at a time, beginning with the submission of complete and accurate amended tax returns. So the IRS requires um, that the taxpayer submit complete and accurate amended tax returns using Form 1040X for each of the most recent three years for which the U.S. tax return due date has passed or the properly applied for extended due date has passed. So let me just give you a quick and dirty example to understand what that phrase means. Let's suppose that... Um, and let's let's um, specifically focus on uh, tax return year 2017. Let's suppose that the um, that you did not apply for an extension and that your um, deadline was April 17, 2018, for the filing of your 2017 tax return. And let's suppose that uh, we are in December of 2018, as we are uh, right now as I'm recording this podcast. The um, ba- ba- the most recent three years for which the U.S. tax return due date has passed would be extrapolated from 2017 back three years. And the reason for that is because um, as I stated before, the April 17th, 2018 deadline for the filing of 2017 uh, tax return has passed. All right. We have not yet had um, another. It's uh, it's not yet April of um, 2019. So we don't have to worry about 2018. So essentially, uh, we are extrapolating backwards three years from tax year 2017 because that's the most recent uh, tax return uh, period or due date that has passed. Now, let's suppose that the taxpayer had applied for an extension. Well, mostly uh, tax return extensions are granted in six-month intervals. Uh, So to the extent that the taxpayer had applied for an extension and one was granted, that would take us to October of 2018. Uh, As as I sit here, um, it is December of 2018, and so the extension deadline, um, the six-month extension deadline for filing the 1040 has similarly passed, and therefore we would Um, we would also use 2017 as the year from which we extrapolate backwards three years. And um, in doing so, uh, we would then determine that our look-back period for filing amended 1040s uh, goes back from 2017 to 2015. So the taxpayer would have an obligation to file amended Um, U.S. individual income tax returns for tax years 15, 16, and 17. Now, um, before before, um, everybody jumps on me and says, well, what about the other um, international reporting forms? I'm going to address them um, right now. The IRS requires uh, not only 
that an amended tax return be filed for the most recent three years for which the U.S. tax return due date or applied for extended due date has passed. It also requires that the any other international information uh, returns that are uh, that should have been filed and that hadn't um, be filed along with the amended uh, U.S. individual income tax return. And those two would have a three-year look-back period. Um, now, I'm not talking about FBARs right now. I'm talking about other IRS international information returns. And uh, by that, I'm referring to Forms 3520, uh, 5471, 5472, 8938, specific uh, foreign financial assets, uh, Form 926, and 8621. <clears throat> There's also a caveat here where the IRS says that even if these information returns would normally not be submitted with the Form 1040 had the taxpayer filed a complete and accurate original return, they must still be filed. Um, so again, even if these information returns would normally not be submitted with the Form 1040, had the taxpayer filed a complete and accurate original return, they still must accompany the amended U.S. individual income tax return. And again, those are referring to um, the other IRS international reporting forms, um, such as 3520, 5471, 5472, 8938, 926, and good old 8621 for the PFEX. Now, moving on to number two. <clears throat> this is um, kind of like a housekeeping bit. The IRS wants the taxpayer to include at the top of the first page of each amended tax return the um, uh, name of the program, namely Streamlined Domestic Offshore, um, and they want it to be written out in red ink. Um, so at the top of the first page of each amended tax return, it is absolutely essential that the words Streamlined Domestic Offshore appear in red ink. And the reason why is that um, the IRS, um, we don't want the IRS, and the IRS doesn't want the IRS to think that these forms are just being submitted as part of a, um, as part of a uh, delinquent uh, disclosure. Um, it's critical to ensure that um, the IRS is aware that these returns are being processed through the Streamline program and um, only if the words Streamline Domestic Offshore appear written in red on the first page of each amended tax return will the IRS know that um, these returns are being processed through the Streamline procedures. Now moving on to number three, <clears throat> certification by a U.S. person residing in the U.S. This is known as Form 14654 and is the Streamlined uh, Domestic Offshore Submission Form. It's a certification form um, that uh, requires the taxpayer to certify four primary things. Um, and this is very, very important. Uh, the first is that the taxpayer is eligible for the Streamlined Domestic Offshore Procedures. 
The second is that all required FBARs have now been filed. The third requirement of the certification is that uh, the taxpayers certify that the failure to report all income, pay all tax, and submit all required information returns, including FBARs, uh, was the result of non-willful conduct, meaning that it was an oversight and that it was not intentional. Uh, we typically do what's called a risk assessment to ensure that the conduct um, does not uh, fall too far on the willful end of the, um, of the spectrum than it does on the non-willful end of the spectrum. And the reason being is because this is a one-shot deal. If the IRS were to call out the taxpayer, so to speak, for um, uh, on the basis of the conduct that was involved, then they could reject the streamlined submission altogether. And if that were to happen, then uh, the then the taxpayer um, is left with very little, if any, other option for coming into compliance. Not to mention the fact that the IRS is not to mention the fact that the taxpayer has essentially um, provided the IRS with the ammunition that it needs to come after him or her in, um, you know, for uh, assessing heavy-handed tax penalties or for a potential referral to CI. So this is why this has to be done very carefully and a risk assessment to determine whether the failure to report the accounts um, falls closer to the non-willful end of the uh, spectrum then the willful end of the spectrum has to be conducted and the fourth requirement of the certification form 14654 is that the miscellaneous offshore penalty amount is accurate I'm going to address the miscellaneous offshore penalty in a subsequent podcast I'll um, explain how it's calculated um, and we'll get into uh, the nitty-gritty the IRS uh, states further that the taxpayer must maintain foreign financial asset information that backs up the self-certified miscellaneous offshore penalty computation and to be prepared to provide it upon request. Um, the taxpayer must also submit an original signed statement and attach copies of the statement to each tax return and information return being submitted through the streamlined procedures. Um, it's not necessary um, and the taxpayer should not attach copies of the statement to FBARs. Um, but the statement must be uh, attached to copies of each tax return and information return that's being submitted. Uh, the IRS um, states that failure to submit the statement or submission of an incomplete or otherwise deficient statement will result in the returns being processed in the normal course without the benefit of the favorable terms of the procedures. So that's why it's so imperative that you follow the instructions uh, to a T. The fourth requirement for um, the streamlined domestic offshore procedures is that the taxpayer submit payment of all tax due as reflected on the tax returns and all accompanying statutory interest with respect to each of the late payment amounts. Uh, the taxpayer's identification number um, must be included on the check. 
And um, that's, of course, a safeguard to ensure that, um, uh, God forbid, uh, things don't get mixed up and um, you don't get credited for the amount that you paid. Uh, the IRS also says that the taxpayer may receive a balance due notice or a refund if the tax or interest is not calculated correctly. Sometimes um, uh, in making a streamlined submission, um, the uh, tax professional may not include the interest and essentially just wait for the IRS to calculate it and send a bill later on. And to the extent that there are any irregularities or something doesn't look right, you certainly have the right to question the examiner on it. And um, you're certainly entitled to an explanation because uh, uh, sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes they uh, make errors and, um, you know, it's very important to scrutinize um, any subsequent bills that you get to ensure that uh, the amounts have been calculated uh, properly. Fifth, uh, submit payment of the Title 26 miscellaneous offshore penalty. Um, and sixth, if you seek relief for failure to timely elect deferral of income from certain retirement or saving savings plans where deferral is permitted, um, then it's necessary to, um, to uh, submit a statement requesting an extension of time to make an election to defer income tax and identifying the applicable treaty. Um, second, uh, it's necessary to submit a dated statement signed by the taxpayer under penalties of perjury. Um, and in that statement, the IRS requires that the taxpayer uh, describe the events that led to the failure to make the election, the events that led to the discovery of the failure, and if the taxpayer relied on a professional tax preparer, um, the nature of the advisor's engagement and responsibilities. And uh, that's basically what's required when uh, the taxpayer is seeking relief for failing to timely elect deferral of income from um, these retirement or savings plan plans. Seven, uh, the documents that I've uh, described uh, together with the payments have to be sent in paper form. So they have to be printed out and shipped out. Uh, electronic submissions will not be accepted. Um, the address to which they must be sent is uh, IRS 3651 South um, Interstate Highway 35 stop 6063 AUSC and um, it has to be made attention streamlined domestic offshore and that would be Austin Texas with a zip code of 78741 uh, now last but not least when it comes to the F bars um, the IRS requires delinquent F bars for the most recent six years for which the FBAR due date has passed. Um, keep in mind that um, there's an automatic extension if the taxpayer um, failed to meet the uh, deadline, um, the standard deadline for FBAR submission. Um, there's an automatic six-month extension which brings the FBAR due date to um, October of the, um, of the year following the year that uh, is being reported. So to the extent that the taxpayer had um, foreign bank accounts, say for example in 2008, uh, in 2017, 
the uh, due date, um, the new due date that is, uh, would um, correspond with the due date for filing of the 1040, which would, uh, which would this year have been April 17th of 2018. Um, if the taxpayer missed that uh, April 17th deadline, there's an automatic extension, meaning that the taxpayer need not make a formal request. Um, it's automatic. The six months just kicks in automatically. So um, now, as this podcast is being recorded, it's December of 2018. So what we would be dealing with here is a situation where 2017 is our uh, last year, and we would extrapolate backwards from 2017, six years, um, to come up with our six-year um, disclosure period for the FBAR. And so if we go backwards, then we just simply count backwards six years from 2017. And that would take us from 2017 to 2016 to 2015 to 2014 to 2013 to 2012. So we would have to submit as part of this streamlined domestic submission six years worth of delinquent FBARs from 2012 to 2017. Now, you're required to file these delinquent FBARs electronically at FinCEN because keep in mind that the FBAR is a creature of the Financial Crimes and Enforcement Network. It's not a creature of the IRS. The IRS, however, does enforce the FBAR. Um, on the cover page of the electronic form, the taxpayer would select other as the reason for filing late. Um, automatically, what gets populated when you select other in that um, menu tab on the cover page of the FBAR is an explanation box. And in the explanation box, you would enter streamlined filing compliance procedures. Um, and uh, essentially what you want to do is to file electronically, but it's also necessary to print out the forms and the, uh, the FBARs and submit them along with all the other documents required for a streamlined submission. So hard copies are um, essential here. If you have any questions, feel free to hit me up anytime. You can find me on LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, my handle is MJDeBliss. And uh, my door is always open. I'm always willing to chat with um, tax uh, taxpayers um, as well as uh, tax professionals, accountants, CPAs, enrolled agents um, to help them navigate the uh, choppy waters of the uh, submission process.